and we're back with another recording of Food in the Hood. That's right. <laughs> um, we don't have that opening theme song that I've been talking about forever. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, we, we, we've on been that. on hiatus for a little bit. Yes, we have very exciting news for you. Well, Ben has very exciting news for you. He's entering a new life stage in a new country on a new job. Wow, right? yeah, that's a lot of uh, news. So many new things. Well, <laughs> tell us what you've been up to, Ben. Yeah, I so well a little bit behind the story that our last episode was recorded when I was still in the U.S. and I was like. Uh, uh, sitting on a floor mattress, uh, <laughs> uh, like my second last day. <laughs> yeah. Um, See, he's a trooper. He's recording up till the second last day before he leaves the U.S. What a good yeah. podcast host, right? Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, mm. I uh, since then I uh, moved to the Netherlands, so I uh, joined a PhD program at Wageningen University. So say that a, again. Say that again for people at the back. This is how you pronounce it. <laughs> it's spelled W A G E N I N G E N. And I always said Wageningen, which is completely wrong. So Ben, well, how do you pronounce it? Well, just the Dutch pronunciation of the G is a H sound. Wageningen. Yeah, or is more like the French R sound. Wageningen. Yeah, but like I think the second G is kind of a G again. Yeah, you know more Dutch than me. So I don't know. I just we'll kind of phonetically picked it up because I okay. speak, you know, very many Dutch words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, sure. Yeah, I just moved to the Netherlands. And, and so um, I left my old job at um, Gastrograph. And now I'm a full-time PhD candidate at uh, Wageningen for... Um, you know the next three to four years mm-hmm. and probably yeah that's that's about it and i'm, I'm working on 3d footprinting um yeah. as a Very um, exciting yeah yeah and ben and i talk a little bit about you know how the academic institution structures are a little bit different in the u.s versus the netherlands so we'll probably talk about this um in a future episode as well but we have a lot of exciting content coming up because Ben is in a new place. Well, I haven't, <laughs> so I haven't really filled out yet for, for the whole, you know, the, the institution. Yeah, are we overhyping it up too much? <laughs> yeah. So I think, Ben, you said one thing that you noticed when you were in Netherlands was um, kind of the supermarket selections that were available. Yeah, a little bit. I was, you know, um, when I first got here, I went through a two-week quarantine period. So it's uh, it's nothing really intense. I, I was basically um, stayed inside at my apartment. Um, but I still went out a couple of times to just get groceries and kind of walk around outside alone. Um, so it's more like a isolation than an actual quarantine. Um, but... Uh, the local supermarkets that I went to really um, had very limited choices of processed uh, chip or snacks type of food. Um, I I'd say I, I mean the it's a smaller supermarket which I guess is common in everywhere other than the U.S. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, so that was something quite interesting that I you know I wanted some chips. 
Mm-hmm. But, but you I couldn't find any. <laughs> no, there were chips. Just not what you're used to in the U.S. with all these different flavors and brands and kettle chips and jalapeno cheese. Totally, yeah. The yeah. Now that you're saying it, the variety is definitely less,、mm-hmm. and the flavor also. Is it limited to snacks, or if you're looking at things like canned food,、um, yeah. other types of processed food, is it less as well? Or are we talking about convenient snack items? Yeah, more like convenient, ready-to-eat snack items, and also、um, less choices of soda too.、Mm. And it's not just the place I went to, because I've been to a couple of like, I guess equivalent of Kroger, but less.、Um, At a scale, right. So, so there, I think they're relatively representative, but、um, yeah, the the soda selections were not as much. There's definitely not the 150 different seltzers that. Oh yeah,、uh, <laughs> very very different scene. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's quite common when you go outside the U.S. I notice too whenever I'm back in Malaysia that there are less salty snacks, there are less sodas, and. Even just looking at beverages, right here in the U.S., if you just you don't even look at sodas. If you just look at sparkling carbonated waters, you know there's like so many brands here. There's store brand. Target has its own brand. There's、mm-hmm. bubbly. There's I think pure aqua. There's AHA. There's so many just for that one category of beverage. Where you say it, AHA. Aha!、Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Aha!、Uh-huh. <laughs> brand of sparkling yeah, water. That's the、um, that's the Coke brand, right? Ah,、uh, I'm not sure to be honest. I think But, so. Yeah, it's just so、caffeine. much more options here for the average consumer compared to other places. Yeah, which makes me um, you you know yeah I I I'd say so like in the processed food market or a、uh, formulated food market. At least as a consumer, you do have more choices in in the U.S., and that's just something interesting that I noticed. So, have you been able to go to the labs a little bit yet in Netherlands? Yeah,、Washington? I guess I'm still getting onboarded. I don't know if like grad students get onboarded that often,、um, but it's yeah, the system is a little different here. So I don't have a Uh, I don't have any semester-long class commitments, so、um, most of the、uh, my own time is just full time doing research.、Uh, so I, I've been trying to get onboarded and get trained on using equipments, design some preliminary experiments.、Uh, yeah, I've been to I've been to the lab a little bit, not too much yet.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and met some people.、Um, Not very many because it's still, you know, COVID. COVID. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's one thing that I sort of wonder about COVID's impact on graduate students' lifestyles. Because you know, when I was a graduate student way back when, well, not really way back when. That was only about eight months ago <laughs> when I graduated. <laughs> it felt But,、uh, pretty long.、Huh? It felt really long. <laughs> This year just felt really long. But I remember as a grad student, you know, sometimes you're just doing experiments the whole day. You're pipetting. You're working your GC.、Um, you're preparing samples. That it can be a little bit isolating, even for the most introverted of people. So one thing that that I enjoyed about、um, the food science department at Ohio State was the strong communal aspect. If you choose to participate in it, 
So not just in terms of like department events or the availability of student clubs within the food science department, but also uh, what's interesting about OSU was that all of the academic labs are joined together. So instead of each mm-hmm. lab being a separate siloed off lab, uh, it's all interconnected. So you can always, you know, drop by, chit chat with someone else and then get back to your rotary evaporator <laughs> and then you kind of go back and forth. I mean, that's not as safe during COVID-19, but I think, I mean, that's something that I wonder about, you know? Yeah, because um, we do have... Uh, capacity restrictions right now of um you know number of people per lab and yeah i i know because you were talking about all the labs are physically connected like you can literally walk across the floor just by passing all the labs right and there's no like was there doors or it's just like there were doors in between labs but they were always open it was like two Uh. white doors so it just seems like everything is connected. Got it. So I wonder, they might, I don't know now, but like I feel um, they might have been uh, closed, those doors. So to like, kind of separate physical spaces and assign yeah, like, number no, of totally. people think... allowed. Yeah, same here. It's, um, well, I guess it, 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 from what I heard is students are pretty communal or um, at least have a lot of social events. But right now, um, it's it's quite unfortunate that um, y- you know we're still much encouraged to work from home. But like mm-hmm. for someone who don't have data to analyze, <laughs> I, I really have to go in. <laughs> you need to go into the lab, get get some data in order to do some work. Right? Yeah. Hopefully, you'll be able to do that soon, uh, you know, safely. But um, I think with you being in Netherlands and being able to talk to some of your coworkers. Um, and we've had the dis- this discussion too. It has spurred, um, I guess, some of our conversations about sustainability, um, just based on how people view this topic and incorporate it into their daily life. Um, yeah, at least I wanted in your to... academic community there in Netherlands, compared to maybe what we've experienced here in the U.S. That that that's sort of what we wanted to touch on today. In addition to Ben's life updates, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's something. In our pod, we talked on many different topics um, that's related to sustainability. But we, I don't know, did we do a? a like, I think we did a exclusive? food waste episode, but I don't think yeah. we did a exclusive exclusive sustainability episode. We talked about farm to fork. Right and preventing yeah. food waste along those steps and how that differs between right. developing and developed countries. But uh, I don't think we have talked specifically attacking such a big subject like sustainability before. Right. Right. So I I mean I really count the design thinking episodes kind of towards sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually something I want to talk about. Um, it it's like sustainability can go beyond just environmental issues or like sure ecology issues i don't know so so the group i'm in um has a lot of emphasis on engineering so that the entire group is called food process engineering um mm-hmm. i'm kind of an outsider there right because 
I like not an final, engineer. Final... Very much a food scientist. <laughs> well, I mean, you're like, what is what is laminar flow and turbulent flow again? Remind me. <laughs> yeah, I had to. I had to look up a lot of terms and equations.、Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what's really interesting is that、um, so the entire lab or the group it's centered towards to sustainability process designs. So they were trying to tackle or innovate sustainable processing、uh, techniques, or、uh, apply these adequate techniques to、uh, appropriate food sources or processes.、Um, an example would be like something called dry fractionation. So instead of something like a um, uh, um, a membrane filtration type of separation, which involves a lot of water. Uh, mm-hmm. It would just use、uh, like precise milling and、um, some type of air separation, or、mm-hmm. some、um, say uh, static uh, electric uh,、mm-hmm. uh, separation type of techniques to reduce the water cost. And so, so something that reduces resource use, but also、um, oh, I had a thought. I lost it. Please edit this part out. Okay, go on. No, no, no. I mean, just also have the、um, ability to、uh, separate, say, proteins from plants,、mm-hmm. right? Because it's mo- mostly used for plants,、um, because、uh, like dairy protein is already in a liquid form, so you don't have to. Because well, because like wet separation was designed to separate.、Um, originally, was、proteins. designed, yeah, to separate milk proteins and stuff.、Uh, mm-hmm. But but anyways, that's just an example that.、Uh, Like people in a group really care a lot about sustainability,、mm-hmm. and really I'd go a step beyond just care, because、um, I feel like a lot of people are、um, like sustainability is a default of、uh, right. in people's mindset, which which I think is it's quite advanced, but also it's like new to me,、um, mm-hmm. and I kind of. Uh, heard I heard this quote from a talk that I went to in 2017.、Um, I snap a photo of this guy's slide. He's from、uh, Worldwide Foundation,、um, so it's it's like the little panda logo that you have WWF. So he he's like some type of、um, a leader from the fund, and he said that on a finite planet. Should we even have a choice about sustainable products, or should all choices be more sustainable? So, meaning that basically he questioned: Is sustainable even a choice? Right. right. Yeah. So, so which is kind of you, you know I I snapped the photo because it was quite intriguing at the time, but I kind of you know forgot about it、uh, or or put it on back burner for a while.、Um, but now when I It started to interact with people here. I started to think about this again, or somehow people's、uh, behavior or their thoughts reminded me this quote again from this guy、um, mm-hmm. at WWF, right? Because like even sustainability is、uh, often talked in the context of environment, ecology, or overall the ecosystem, but really sustainability is. To me, I think it's also about design, right? When we talked about the design thinking episodes, we we touched on that the design process really is iterative, and it's really focusing the system. 
Um, so I just feel like all designs should be sustainable, and sustainability shouldn't just be a preference, but more of a requirement if you want to innovate anything new. Like、mm-hmm. it, if you want to plug in something to the larger system, like your little piece,、um, needs to be. It shouldn't just be a one-time solution, right? Right, because because、right. like I feel a lot of in a lot of different industries, like people really got harmed by coming up with this one-time solution, and that just kind of got integrated into the system, and it's hard to go back and fix them.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess with an example, be for instance, I know you said that this is not just focused on the environment, right? But To give a more concrete example, if some if a company innovate a new product tomorrow,、um, it's a beverage product, but it uses、um, plastics that are biodegradable, right? That is a one time fix, right? But if the entire country has regulations that you know for consumer food products, it has to be something that is biodegradable. All your packaging. That would be a system-wide fix. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, a... A, a little bit on those lines. But like, I mean, it's like I guess a policy isn't necessarily、uh, right. A policy a is、design. just a blanket white、right. policy that, but that sets the norm for future innovations, though. So let's say right now we're at 2020. By the time, like, let's say this. Policy was implemented. By the time twenty fifty rolls around, it would be the norm because it's written into the policy. I'm not saying that、yeah. governmental policy is the fix to everything, and there has to be a shift in people's mindset. But I think、totally. one of those、yeah. top down approaches that have worked in the past is governmental、uh, na- nationwide approaches to some of these things, right? If you look yeah, at the recycling I, systems I in Japan and in Germany, I know we said not just about environment, but it's the easiest example to talk about, right? So no, 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 I agree with you. So, I, and I feel like that's that's exactly one of the aspects. And now, when you、uh, say policies, I I would also connect it to education, right? Correct. So, totally. Like the 100%. younger generation who grow up using less plastic bags. Mm-hmm. Um, with treat plastic bags differently than like our generation or the generation before us. Right. right. To us, it's normal for us to go to a store empty-handed and not think twice about bringing reusable bags. <laughs> yeah, exactly.、Right? I still run into that issue. I'm a lot better with it now. Ever since they started charging,、um, uh-huh. but that that charging has changed my behavior. So maybe fifty years down the line, that would be the norm. Yeah,、right. that that's something exactly what I feel. Some of the people that I interact with at Wageningen gave to me, it's like they are thinking sustainability as a default, not as a feature. Right. 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 It's a given. Like if things are not、But、sustainable, has it always been a given, or was there something that they went through, be it through educational, like you said, maybe it started in grade school. Hmm. Or what was that sustainability aspect just always part of their culture, right? I think that's something that's interesting to explore because if it's something that's always part of their culture, okay. But if it's something that happened over the past thirty, forty years gradually, well, what did they do? Can we incorporate that type of system into other nations, right? Because 
if you look at Japan, um, I watched this documentary about school children in Japan about how even when they were in first or second grade, they were all expected to take care of their classroom, clean the floors.、Mm-hmm. After they eat lunch, they all had to wash out the milk cartons. They had to compress it, put it in the recycling bin. So, like, a lot of things were taught f- from a young age, and that, that mindset just follows them. But I don't know if that was a thing that was implemented in grade school a while ago, or if, if it was part of you know, Japanese culture or certain nations' culture to preserve and reuse instead of being wasteful. So that, that,、yeah. that's a lot of you know, things that goes into it. And I know you said you know, when you're thinking about it, you're not just thinking about it from an environmental standpoint.、Um, but a lot of these. You know, I think when we talk about sustainability as a concept not tied to environment, we're talking about it in a very long term sense, right? Because you said not a one fixed solution, but something that's integral to the system and something that is long reaching. So that requires long thought. Like you have to、yeah. think really forward. You, you have to think forward and you have to plan it, right? Because I, I think much of the quote unquote sustainable actions are, you know, unfortunately. Nowadays, corrective actions. Right. Right.、Um, because it's not like、uh, not using plastic, it's sustainable.、Um, mm-hmm. It's because, you know, it's it's not sustainable to begin with to to right, to right. implement plastics. Right. Right. So so it's it's somewhat a corrective action to me. And I feel like、um, these cl- corrective actions are much needed, I think. These t y p e of behavior、um, training or implementation、mm-hmm. are much needed, right? I, I think at Wahningen, people kind of have this culture. I don't know how this culture was established at first place, but definitely being sustainable is a theme or it's a、mm-hmm. heavily、uh, integrated culture into part of what Wahningen's people think of. I mean, A little bit background on this university. It is purely focused on life science and agriculture. So, people here、um, have a, I, I'd say the sample size is skewed or biased. Right. Right.、Um, Might but, not be the whole general population, but at least within、exactly. that community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Within that community, it is what it seems to me, at least. And coming back to you, what you're saying about like sustainability as a mindset. Because I feel sustainability a lot of times is for design, right? Because if you're trying to design something, you want it to last longer or you want it to be in agreement with other things that is、mm-hmm. from a sustainability standpoint, not from a profit standpoint, right? Well, both, right? Because you got to sustain to keep your profit, right? I'm just talking, okay, if I were the CEO of a company and I want to make as much money as possible, my idea would be to. Build things that break so that people would repurchase、yeah. instead of building things that last because then they wouldn't have to come back to me to yeah, get more of it. So,、right? I, yeah, I guess that's true. That, I think that, that's, that's the challenge, right? Because sustainability and corporate motive, sometimes it goes hand in hand, but a lot of times it doesn't, right? When we talk about corporate social responsibility, that is an add on that companies think about. So that they can get good press a lot of times. It's not something、mm-hmm. that is inbuilt into their structure because it doesn't allow them to be competitive with other、um, you know, competitors on the market, right? And also, something that you mentioned 
about sustainability and building things to last. Like, if you think about 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, I think we were living sustainably back then in some ways, right? More so than we are today. So in a way, are we asking people to revert back to what we were like before? Or are we trying to achieve both sustainability? So I think a lot of times we move away from sustainability is because we're moving towards convenience. And that is a lot of times... Like short-term short term short term convenience. convenience. Uh-huh. Which is a lot of times opposite of what is sustainable. So I think... If we're moving back to a more sustainable model, sometimes that means um, moving towards a less convenient model. But with design thinking, I think the challenge is, can we make something more sustainable, but also not that much less convenient so that people still still adopt? It's still innovative in a way that it's easy for people to adopt. No, I totally hear you on that. And I think, I heard this at first from a U of M, um, University of Minnesota professor, because he was a ecologist who is very interested in food production and its relationship to the environment. And we always say, like, we can't feed uh, 10 billion people by 2050 or 9.2 range from like 9.2 yeah. <laughs> to 10. or Familiar numbers. Whatever, whatever that number is, right? And he's saying that this is basically, from a business standpoint, it's a gap, right? That's what people essentially need to face. Um, many scientists have identified a problem or um, kind of forecasting the, uh, the, the, the potential symptoms. But it's up to the private sectors, uh, if we're talking about the capitalist market, right? It's up to individuals to come up with solutions um, that can fill this gap. And not only are they on a sort of a moral, uh, they're taking the moral benefits from or solving a problem based on uh, that the humanity will will face, but at the same time, they could make money, right? Like, I feel like plant-based. This is how plant-based food became right, a thing. Right, right. People didn't think it could be a thing because it's more expensive, but then it did become a thing, right? So no, you're totally right. I think there's a lot of hope. Yeah, in that and area. and this is and this is what you know sustainability can bring in opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Because being sustainable is hard, but whatever's hard and you can provide solution to a hard problem, you're you're normally awarded. Yeah. If you can bring that value to a commercial market that is sustainable, right? Like you said, your value. But then your value because there is a consumer demand for plant-based meats that taste good. So I think it's twofold. We need the technology there. And then we also need consumers to make these decisions um, using their wallet, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's twofold so the, the consumer awareness has to go hand in hand with the innovation in design thinking sustainability thinking and all these great innovations that are coming up yeah because i feel i mean consumers are a growing growingly realizing the problem right because uh, a plant-based diet will result in a better uh it will be better for the environment and that's a that's a known, uh, sure. a, a known almost a fact, right? Still, there's some leeway in there, but in general, plants are better than animals in terms of food sources. So that and that and that's education. That's 
awareness. But then even for people, they're thinking about their diet, their future diet, right? That's a design process, essentially. You're trying to plan forward and develop something that's um, both uh, um, fulfilling your your um, sensorial needs and also a nutritional needs and also your sort of the moral burden to the world, mm-hmm. right? So, so then it becomes another optimization problem that requires you to think sustainably, not just for your own taste buds, right? There are people now, I think in some way, the veganism is an extreme, to me is an extreme expression of it. Um, but, but it's really to sacrifice a lot of behavioral uh, joy to uh, 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 encompass it of the environmental benefits that mm-hmm. a pure plant-based lifestyle would be um, benefiting the, the environment. So, so that's just one way of them trying to design their lifestyle and trying to integrate themselves into the, um, the, the existing society, right? The existing environment. And I feel like everybody's kind of doing that, right? We're, we're, we're almost at the tipping point um, as plant-based foods are getting more and more um, tractions in the world. Um, people are looking at it more seriously. They're integrating, innovating. Um, sometime in the future people's going to make a choice right like people's going to reevaluate what's available um talk out loud what they need and i think the market will follow the market will follow yeah no doubt and i think a huge part of it you know what you mentioned about consumer awareness is also with the digital world and the internet it's a lot mm-hmm. easier for people to have access to that type of information you're not limited to what you know within your immediate circle um so that 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 is probably a driving force for people to learn about you know all of these things um but what i want to touch on is what you said about long-term design thinking um, in terms of using that to advance sustainability And I think a lot of times when companies face a problem or they want to push a new product that is sustainable, that might be sort of one off. So something that is more long term. um, So so for instance, okay, let's say I'm making this I'm making this beverage, right? And I want to make it more sustainable. So instead of using plastic packaging, I use um, cartons or I use glass bottles. But let's say all my manufacturing operations around the country doesn't allow me to fill into cartons compared to plastic bottles. That would require a lot of capital expenditure to change, mm-hmm. right? So then I might have to use a cold packer just for this specific product. And then that's where it becomes... I think that's where part of the inertia is, the the expenditure needed to invest in sustainable capital um options mm-hmm. for a company that doesn't know if okay let's say we really switch 20 percent of our manufacturing to being able to fill into these cartons instead of plastic bottles just to give a concrete example now what does that mean for us for our bottom line because we can't guarantee that these products will do just as well compared mm-hmm. to our normal products right i think that's where the inertia is from a commercial standpoint um and i think that that's something that would require work. Yeah, you're right. I feel especially in the implementation phase, right? Like how would you actually do this? Like the bloody realities that 
you could be the you could be on a moral high ground, but you could lost the heck out of your business. Right. right. That's that's something. I think that's why it's easier for smaller companies to innovate in this way because they're not starting off with anything to lose, right? At but, least. But then, are they really trying to develop a wholesome system, or was those just a concept,、um, like sustainability as a feature, as opposed to、um, like default? I guess it's relative, right? If we're talking about just one product at a co-packer, the initial example I mentioned, that's very much a feature. And then in comparison to that, if we're actually making changes to your manufacturing operations for a、mm-hmm. large company, that is that is a huge deal. Even if we're talking、yeah. about just twenty percent of your manufacturing plants, that's a huge, huge deal. That almost that is very rare because a lot of times you innovate products to fit your existing system, not change your system to pr- produce a new. Product concept, unless the product concept shows a lot of promise and it's really going to sell very well, I think that's a huge risk、mm-hmm. for big food companies. Because、um, people, yeah, from exactly what you said, it's like large companies are even struggling to come up with corrective actions to fit in、right. the sustainability concept, right?、Um, let alone to innovate、uh, via sort of the sustainable design thinking.、Mm-hmm. The way the the way I see where it's more prominent is in smaller businesses that don't have as much money or already poured into capital expenditures. Just from a food standpoint, I think one of the biggest costs is capital expenditure that makes、mm-hmm. it hard to pivot into something else. And also your sourcing once it's fixed,、um, it, it、yeah. can be a little bit challenging. I, I, and you know, just because there are challenges doesn't mean that it cannot happen. But I think that. The the challenges facing companies that try to adopt sustainability as their backbone and design thinking it it's a lot easier for certain companies compared to others, right? Yeah, I mean it's easy to draw on an empty canvas.、Um, Completely. Yeah, but it's way harder to to come up with innovative or sometimes corrective actions.、Um, that and、yeah. and because you can't do it all at once. Right, that that would literally be a live or die.、Um, I think that's why a lot of the innovative sustainability work is being done at a lot of academic institutions because you have that empty canvas and leeway to play around、yeah. with things. And then you know, once that technology or whatever it might be matures enough, then it's you know incorporated into more commercial applications. Right, right, right. And yeah, that that's a good point. I think really. Yeah, that's probably why at the university here, people are thinking way ahead of of the. That's、curve. important. We really need that. Yeah, that's yeah, really important、right. work. But then,、yeah. but then in reality, right? It's always you know academics always looking at the sad or the bloody reality of、mm-hmm. how, like, there's just not a lot of good ways to combat the existing system. Like, there's there's no silver bullet here to to kind of. Just, I wish just, there was. <laughs> yeah, right. Because because I think that's where that, that's what the challenge is. Is not about、yeah. um, that we don't. It, it's like we we're, we're able to design something sustainable from the scratch, but it's hard to come up with the type of corrective or some some type of、uh, treatment、mm-hmm. to to our existing system. 
Yeah, but I think that's where innovation can play a role, right? Let's say you come up with something that is more sustainable, but if it's not just more sustainable, but if there's some other benefit to it, that then it's easier for your stakeholders to buy in to that concept than simply yeah. it being sustainable. Because from you and me, our point of view is more sustainable, better. Um, but I think for people in positions of power sometimes or, you know, Mm -hmm. there needs to be an added benefit so either the consumer really demands it and there's that market for it or there's some other benefit that is so good that we'll take that along with the sustainability component yeah you're totally right because then it's totally then become design thinking right you have to yes. know your audience yes, exactly you so we audience. come back to design thinking <laughs> <laughs> i mean design thinking is the silver bullet i guess yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah. That is so true. Because we, it, it's a whole package. It's not just, okay, we're making it better. It uses electricity, but we're making it better. It also pays better. It also scores higher on consumer sensory scores because of this new processing technology we use, right? We're not doing mm -hmm. wet fractionation. We're doing this dry milling thing that Ben talked about. And there's just many other benefits. So maybe we can sell that sure. to someone. I mean, that's, that's something I feel, yeah, it's much needed. And um, I think there's also, I, I was talking to a professor at, at the uh, department, and there's also kind of a fine line here between being a thought leader versus being a public servant. Okay. Um, so I feel like the design thinking process, like listen to the audience, what they want, and try to innovate from there. It's almost more like a public service. It's a group of intelligent people using some uh, innovative processes to solve a real-life problem. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, academics really take in pride of being the thought leaders, right? They want to innovate, and they want to innovate on a blank canvas to come up with something that's totally new, system-changing, paradigm-shifting that can be, uh, you, you know, can and that, that's a lot of where genuinely good research were from a hundred percent yeah can't wait for a consumer need to begin innovating in that space exactly so so that fine line here it's you, you almost need both right because you need yep. sort of the short-term solution based on design thinking listen to your audience to solve the problem for the people but at the same time you do need another group of people to think long-term wise mm -hmm. what to do uh, where to begin and where to just like completely do paradigm shifting research, right? Completely. To 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 I like scratch it off, agree. like whoever's new, open up a new plant, you should follow this um, diagram or this template, as opposed to what you have been using for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. It's right? it's two very different mindsets towards towards problem solving, right? One mm -hmm. is targeted at the specific problem. One might not even have a very concrete problem in mind yet, but you're innovating towards that direction in yeah. a lab, in an academic setting. And I think we really need both, right? And mm -hmm. I think we covered this topic in the past, but in the food science academic research world, everything is becoming more and more strictly application-based because of the funding and grant nature within food science compared to mm -hmm. maybe cell biology or cancer research. And I think you know, that, that, that is a shame sometimes, right? Because you're missing out on potentially paradigm shifting 
um, research. And you don't, that, that's the thing, it's a gamble. You mm-hmm. don't know until it happens. But a lot of things that are not apparent or have a specific goal um, that we can concretely visualize, sometimes it goes poof, there's nothing that comes out of it. But sometimes there's huge insights that can be gained, right? When it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine research. I think a lot of people said the reason we were able to innovate faster this time around is because everything is built off on the previous blue sky research that has been done and that might not have a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's, it's very integral that we have both of those streams running alongside each other, the short term and the long term. Um, yeah. So it's good that you're in academia now. You can bring us that academia <laughs> perspective. That sometimes I lose that because you uh-huh. know when you're in the corporate world, it's always profit, profit, profit. Yeah. <laughs> Will it make money? I'll try. I'll, I'll try. I'll try to stay on top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can be the good guy. I'll be the bad guy. <laughs> oh no! I mean, that's. I think that's where like a lot of our ideas collide, right? Yeah. Because um, Amanda and I also talked a little bit about the sustainability of this podcast um <laughs> right because because we were reflecting on our journey and and went through some topics that we did in the past um and really how we felt was you know this this podcast overall is designed to be a conversational brainstorming session we kind of record these and sometimes we fail to record or to publish them we still talk yeah. right yeah. so so that's that's something it might be uh what will be in the future uh for these type of episodes and i think the direct beneficiaries are us yeah right 100%. <laughs> i think for us you know ben and i kind of thought, talked about oh should we have like a mission and vision for our podcast like yeah we're, we're we really have, gonna like, whole... incorporate food in the hood in the very near term future so we need yeah. a mission and a vision we talked about that but then we ended up realizing more like we really enjoy having people listen to the, this podcast um and giving us their feedback sharing their thoughts but i think a huge joy we get out of it. It's not just the number of plays. It's also for us to be able to have that mental sparring and kind of just vocalize our ideas. And you're not playing ping pong by yourself, but it's like a back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And I think the the opinions will be growingly um, polarized, right? Because yeah, now we got so. the tag of war between the industry you're going to the academia academia. stream i'm going more and more into the corporate life stream so i think that would make for very interesting discussions yeah exactly i mean ben and i we've had discussions where we ended up not publishing the episode because things got very heated (laughs) (laughs) so but i think that's a part of that's part of having a good discourse you can't agree all the time and if there isn't a little bit of emotion involved and you don't have you know it's good to have opposing ideas sometimes because sometimes ben will say something that make me rethink of a topic in a completely different way and i'm sure it's the same the other way around so yeah it's good to have these type of discourses yep um yep (laughs) so do you have a new food to share um do i let's see let me look at my snack shelf i have oh oh i i actually i do let me let me grab it real quick Mm -hmm. so i got these droop waffles 
from Aldi. You don't know what a Stroop waffle is? It's like a waffle, but it's super thin. It's like That's 0.2 cm. It's a European waffle. I believe they give it out on certain flights on a certain airline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, rip, Delta? rip van, rip van. Um, rip van. Yeah, yeah, I um, I had that on the show. Yeah, it's it's. Oh wait, did you talk about this before? Not the same brand. Okay, but this is a different brand. It's from Aldi. Yeah. Aldi has a brand called Specially Selected, which is an Aldi home brand, but slightly fancier, combined with a higher price point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like the higher range of items at Aldi, but it's still cheaper than your general like Target brands, etc. So they have this Stroop waffle that is delicious and also very, very cheap, and it's new. It's just called Caramel Stroop Waffles. But if you're near an Aldi, you should go check one out um, because these are super affordable. Everyone I've shared this with loved it. Um, and Stroop waffles are usually kind of expensive. Mm. Is it just so, uh, caramel flavored? It's just caramel. It says imported from the Netherlands. Oh, is it? Interesting. It is. It is. So that's my food item. Do you okay. have one? Anything you tried? Um, I mean, I tried a few things. Uh, well, well, like everything I buy now is kind of new, even That's if true. it's the same category. What's the but general it... <laughs> consensus of what you've tried? Um, you you know, plant based milk game here is way behind the U.S. Really? plant based game. Yeah. Huh. Um, well, maybe maybe it's because the, the the generic supermarket that I go to. But I'm sure there's Oatly, right? Oatly is a European brand. Isn't there it? is, but surprisingly, it's harder than you think to get. Like like the, the there's like a few stores, only one of them carries it. Um, yeah, which is kind of weird. I I thought it's a Swedish, Danish brand. A... I forgot where where uh, Oatly was from. Yeah, but. I think somewhere in the European region. Also, I realized yeah. that when I'm talking to you, I might have been kind of far from the mic, so I hope it picked up everything. Okay, um, yeah, it, it should be fine. It should be okay. Well, uh-huh. all right. Now that's uh. So I hope you guys enjoyed that discussion. If you have, I'm gonna let Ben do this because he does that all the time. But if you have questions, comments, he has the whole spiel memorized. Okay, well. Just I only did it halfway, and I forgot. email us at f i h at po- uh, sorry uh, email us at f i h at for your comments and questions, and um, find us on all podcast platforms. Gives us a five star that really helps, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yep, see you guys.